Hi guys, it's Paul from Itris and welcome to episode five of The Corner. On today's episode, we're going to be talking to my friend and colleague, Rob Harvey. Rob has worked for Itris for more than 20 years and has worked with a number of customers on various different projects. So Rob, welcome to The Corner. Thank you for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about software implementation and projects. So without further ado, we'll jump straight into it. So we work with a number of companies of all sizes, focusing on an average SME customer. What would you say is a typical timescale for a new project implementation? Well, it's difficult to say really without knowing the full scope, but I'm guessing around about six months would be be about the average. Um, if they don't have data migration, if it's just a, a straightforward blank database, you know, we could you generally turn those around within a couple of weeks um, once you go through processes, training, that kind of stuff. So large companies, as I say, um, who are having, you know, a full sort of business scope, you're looking at about six months. Okay, cool. Obviously, there's a number of things that can affect that. Um, so historically, we've come across people not being able to get their data, um, staff leaving. What's the most sort of common thing you feel like we come across as a, the, as a barrier? The most common thing really for, for a project would be their current providers. Um, are they in contracts? Um, do they have six months, a year left? Are they, you know, sort of trying to work through their processes? And obviously, data migration as well is a very key aspect to that as well. Um, what length they want to go to to their d data migration? Are they having everything? Do they just want a snapshot? Are we doing some cleansing? Um, a number of key factors, but as I say, you know, generally I find that for the bigger clients that I work with, it really depends on um, the crossover of contracts. Yeah. Okay. Great. And you mentioned cleansing there, which is something we've discussed in previous episodes. Mm -hmm. So I think more and more now people are actually looking at the size of their data and sort of questioning. Yeah. Do they need that? So what you're saying is if they're cleansing the data, then that's obviously more work in terms of from a data migration. It is more work, um, but at the same time, it, when we're planning a, a full migration, let's say we, we, we've got a, a large database and we have to migrate it um, over, say, the course of a weekend or three or four days, that can actually bring it down and help with a go-live date so you have less downtime. So if we're cleansing data in the migration, we're actually cutting data that we're moving across. So as you come into go live date actual fact you can actually go live on a monday morning rather than say on a wednesday if we kick it off on a friday okay great so we mentioned in our implementation white paper um the customers a team so that's generally made up of key stakeholders with different personality traits who would you ideally want from the customer's side in this team well first and foremost um someone with authority there as their project lead mm -hmm. um who work closely with our project lead they will have the overall authority to to get things done at their end secondly would be someone who would work like a, a project admin who would then work day to day doing the, the the general tasks such as um working out um process looking at data working out what training schedules they need and then from there you would have key users who would then check the data then from a technical side um it might be that they've got some in-house it people or outsourced it people mm -hmm. if they have their own servers um, whoever it is that, that looks after those servers, uh, we will work closely with them as well. So they would be included in the project team. So with those different types of people, uh, obviously there's going to be lots of different communication between different departments, our side and their side. So one thing you mentioned there is training is obviously a massive one. Mm -hmm. People checking the data as well as the technical 
points in, in terms of communication what's what's sort of easiest from from your side or from our side as a business is that easier to be filtered through one point of contact their side so whoever's leading the project or is it sort of okay for them to have direct um everything should that? always be filtered through one person okay but that doesn't mean you can't go off piece um as long as you're going through that that project liaison you can then go and find out more detail from, say, someone who's checking data or the IT technician. But everything has to be funneled through that one person. Okay, great. So it doesn't necessarily matter the size of your A team. And quite often that will depend on, obviously, the size of the business we're working with. Might be one or two people for smaller businesses. But obviously, some of the larger enterprise clients we work with could be 10, 15 people involved in that. So it doesn't necessarily matter how big. What you're saying is if we can, if, if they channel that through one contact yep. that project liaison that's that's a lot better generally that's right everything has to go through a project liaison everything has to be captured everything has to be full of, followed up with with email conversations that you've had um everything needs to be documented in the project plan and um it, it's easier to go through that one point of contact who will, who will have the overall say on everything anyway you might have three or four users who want something done in totally different ways that project liaison will have to go through everything and, and make that final decision so they're basically collating that data and then making the informed decision to then communicate that with us yeah good stuff so next question leads us into this question actually quite nicely how much time over the project life cycle would you expect that project liaison or that single point of contact to dedicate the, to the project so an hour a day three days a week full time it can vary. If in an ideal world, I'd like them to spend seven days a week, um, like you, you know, know. <laughs> like like I do, um, twenty four hours a day. But um, you know, it, it never comes down that 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 route. Um, and it also depends on you know what their time scales are as well. You know, if mm -hmm. they're if they're working on a um, a twelve month project uh, for delivery, then the time that they'll spend on it will be less. As you come down the um, and hit those milestones, more time will need to be to be applied to the project yeah. nice so what we're saying uh, and, and again this this will potentially relate to the size of the company the size of the migration but the longer the project almost the more time you have and the more sort of relaxed that communication would be obviously if their time scales are we need to be live in the next three months but we've got 200 users to roll out training and a new system to mm -hmm. expect that project liaison to be dedicating a little bit more time, to, time to, to communicating so yeah. i know there's certain milestones you mentioned there you're, you're hitting so you know naturally there's going to be times where we're doing work and actually we're not asking for feedback or anything mm. like that yeah but then i suppose they need to be ready for when we need them to sign off on stuff to be exactly dedicated. so within the project plan we'll have things like a dry run migration mm -hmm. we will dedicate a time um period for for myself to do that mm -hmm. um and a delivery time and then in the project plan we assign uh, the delegates who are part of the project team to come back, give us feedback by a certain point. How they deal with that, really, I mean, it should be straight away, but generally what we find is they leave it to the last minute. A lot of things aren't aren't um, here to, um, and then that that uh, that milestone, that we then have to put it back a week or two weeks because they haven't met their deadline. Yeah, sure. So they win. If, if they're missing sort of deadlines and targets, that's only going to have a ripple effect down the project and, and push Exactly. And those timelines are agreed by the project liaison um, on both sides um, before we sign it off. And then we, we obviously tackle the project. Okay. So one of the benefits of ITRIS 9 is our multiple deployment methods, uh, being cloud, on-premise, hybrid cloud. What are the main differences from a project key stakeholders point of view? Well, I suppose the first point of view is 
if you're going self-hosted, you've got your own infrastructure to think about. That will be managed by the client. Um, they may already have something in place, so they need to check that it meets up to our um, our standards um, outlined in our uh, technical documentation. And that would be either their internal IT consultant or third-party IT? It would be their, their IT department that would deal with that. Um, okay. So it will come down from the project uh, project liaison to to ensure that it's all signed off correctly internally um however it wouldn't just end at that point because if they've got a database uh, they may not necessarily know what size it is we can only recommend based on numbers you might find that a hundred user company has a five gig database um they kept it nice and clean it really doesn't need that much um uh, processor or or ram on a server but then you might have a 10 user who's got a 200 gig database which totally sort of changes around the whole aspect of of what you will require on your server okay and and obviously if they're if they are self-hosting so if they're going for either an on-premise solution which we defined in episode four as uh you know them either hosting the server in their office or at a third-party location obviously we offer hybrid cloud access so what does that mean from an it or a key stakeholders point of view what sort of additional things will they need as well as just the, the server and the data for hybrid cloud they will need to uh, purchase a, a domain or supply a subdomain with a ssl certificate that we can then install using iis on their server mm -hmm. um, which will then link into our database and allow us to create that cloud connectivity right and the ssl certificate is like a security security certificate right that's so right, people yeah. coming into that network it's a secured yeah it's the same connection. thing that, that, that every website now pretty much has it is it's industry industry standard so um we we will bind that to that site in is um which gives us that extra layer of security okay so thinking of third-party stakeholders such as it website or application suppliers what sort of information is shared and how is that best communicated well we have a number of uh, documentation pieces that uh, we supply such as our technical uh, specification document uh, tells you about servers tells you about um, client machines that um, minimum specs that you need um, we have api documentation that we share with clients um, and um, sort of that will entail sort of web uh, job posting, registrations, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and also, you know, when it comes to IT people, I generally will have um, a, a conversation with them about everything that we offer. Mm -hmm. I go through the business critical functionality with the project liaison at the start and ask them to supply me absolutely everything that they do now, everything that they want to have in the future. And what with it being business critical, I will know mm -hmm. what they need to go live with yeah um and then i can build that into the project plan and that generally will include things such as um job posting um which may have been overlooked mm -hmm. um which leads us into that conversation with their it team or their web team um and at that point you can start bringing other people into that that project team as well yeah there's also things such as text messaging as well um, okay they might i find lots of these clients although they've spoken about it actually implementing it for go live they kind of forget about these things so we have to get all of that down put it into the project plan um and then we have to go and liaise with um fire text and so forth okay great and love the plug of the partner there yeah cheers fire text, you, mate. <laughs>
and what so what I would say what I've got from that is is there's a clear there's obviously clear documentation that we supply mm -hmm. um but sometimes that can be two ways so sometimes they're supplying us with stuff so quite often again in the sales process what we might cover which we've talked about in previous episodes is then putting like a wish list together yeah. so like that business critical information mm -hmm. and sometimes we the sale or the sales team here will provide your project management guys yep. um, and and team with that information mm -hmm. at the point of handover yep so what you're doing is obviously confirming that with the client mm -hmm. and that's still the case obviously that can change through the project life cycle cool, which, which is cool. fine but also those um, identifying partners uh, and integrations that they might have. Mm -hmm. The API documentation um, is is a key one for a lot of our customers. You know, a lot of people are asking for API so they can actually develop their own stuff. So they're not restricted to specific partners. How do we provide that API documentation? Is that in is that sort of documents or how does that work? It's actually we provide it in a sandbox environment. You can actually go and have a look at all the endpoints. It tells you what you need to do with them. And generally, um, if you're speaking to your web team, they will understand it. They will know what they need to do with it. And if there's things missing, they will come back to the project team and, and, and basically communicate directly with us. So the, pro added in. so the project delivery consultant's on hand as well. So it's not just Absolutely. chuck on the information, yep. get on with it. It's actually, if you've got any questions, mm -hmm. come and talk to us and, and, and we can help you through it, get stuff to it if needed. And do Exactly, that. yeah. So, Rob, we offer all of our customers a dry run. Now, assuming that's not a jog around the park in the peak of summer, <laughs> can you tell us what this is and the benefits that it brings to, to the customer and its key stakeholders? So, dry run, basically, we'll get a copy of their data and other processes that we may well have put in place, um, like they need to get new machines in, that kind of thing. Um, but ultimately, the biggest part of it is taking a copy of their data, um, migrating it into ITRUS 9 uh, infrastructure, and provide them with a database um, as outlined in the project. Then we get them to check their data, um, not just their data, but also we do UAT sign-offs, uh, user acceptance testing, mm -hmm. uh, performance testing, that kind of stuff, um, before we ultimately sign it off for uh, us to then go on to that go-live uh, state. Great. So the, I suppose dry run can be often referred to as maybe a test environment yep. um, or a sandbox environment. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those are sort of terms that are used. But ultimately what you're saying, it's used really as testing, not just the system mm -hmm. and them getting to learn the system, but also the data. And, and, and do they tend to make changes, you know, it, do they identify things that they want changed in the system from like a configuration point of view? And will that be carried across to their sort of live go live um, sort of version of the system? Well, I suppose the first thing to think about is we're replicating what their go live is going to be. So forget data, forget ITRIS. We're also doing everything else within their infrastructure that they're, they're going to be changing. That needs to be done. We then migrate all the data um, and effectively when we go live, this is how it's going to be. Um, we're testing to make sure everything's going to be working as it should. Um, like I said, performance, um, functionality, have they got everything that's business critical to them? Then we look at the data, make sure that that's all come across correctly. Then we look at processes. Um, are the processes going to work for them? Do they need to, like you mentioned, change some of the config errors? Mm -hmm. Will that affect the data migration? Do we have to do data migration changes? Mm -hmm. If we do, we will then either do them on the fly, live in that dry run, or if they're too big to do in that dry run, we might do a second dry run. Um, or we might add that into the go live migration because it may all just be um, a small change that 
um, won't affect it too much. Okay, so it sounds like it can be an ever-evolving sort of process when they're in dry run, depending on mm. what's come up. What's the most dry runs you've ever seen a customer do? I think I've had five or six before. Okay. Um, that was from multiple, multiple CRMs all going into one. Right, so multiple data sources. Yes, so. um, which does come about. Uh, you'll have four, four or five different uh, data sources all coming into one, and as you can imagine, um, merging records, cleansing records, all that kind of stuff. It's a big project. So when you say merging, that's like identifying duplicates in the system, yeah. and then actually they want that data merged into the one Absolutely, yeah. record. So I suppose in theory, if they've got five databases, technically that's five separate data migrations. That's right, right yeah. Right, and then you look at that and identify the duplicates and merge them together. Yep. So a lot more work. Absolutely. So again, when we look, we were talking about sort of timescales before, um, although the average project might be six months, that's based off generally one data migration. Off the one, yeah. But sometimes we work with enterprise clients who may have bought businesses over the course of the the, yep. the year, the, the, or their years of business, and to create a group of businesses, and if they're rolling that out across all of them at the same time, mm -hmm. the thing, and it might be that you'll go live with, say, the first migration, and then the second rolls into the first one. Um, so you then take a, a, a snapshot that will be your your data of the the first migration you've done. That then copies into a test, where you then insert the next and the next. Right, she might have multiple go so, live dates. Yeah, you'll have five or six that. different go live dates depending okay. on how they work. Okay, but they can then opt for one if they want to. You know, yeah. if they want to say, actually, we want just this all to hit at one time. Yeah. Um. So we've got fifty users on this system, fifty users on that, fifty users on that times five systems. Yeah. We can either do five, we might do three, but actually they can do one if they want to. Or it might be that they all use different types of functionality, and and we need to build sort of bespoke functionality and that kind of thing, so that it will have to wait. There's so many different variants, yeah. And that's why it has to go through that project liaison. Um, at the start of the projects and mm. to, to really nail down those timelines. So as long as those things are identified at the early stages, which we talked about before, yeah. then it's all plain sailing. That can be planned for. Yes, exactly. Have we ever have we ever been in a situation where a customer partway through the project has either acquired another business or um, another database and has sort of said, actually, can we can we introduce this to the project? Yeah, we get things like that all the time. Um, or it might just... It may not be another business. It might just be that they've got a, a, a spreadsheet of clients. That um, someone's just found in a top yeah. drawer all of a sudden. Um, we've got all of a sudden, thousand candidates yeah. in these in here. Well, well, we got consultants who are working off spreadsheets and they yeah, just yeah. add them in and like, can we get all of that added in? And yes, of course. And it does change the timeline. So that, that that's quite that's quite a common thing that comes out in the sales process as well is actually, you know, once they start questioning how people are using their current system, compare it to how they're going to use their new system, they often find that, oh, actually, we just found out this consultant's got this spreadsheet that they yeah. just use on their local machine, and he's got a folder full of attachments, which is a GDPR nightmare if it's just, you know, in, in an unsecured location on the desktop. But actually, sometimes we will identify that in the sales process to hand over yeah. to you guys, but that, that still does happen after. It does. Everything still happens before and after. Um, and again, you know, you, you, it, it's just something that you... Will analyze, add to the project plan, um, which then filters down all the all the dependencies. So. Yeah, but at what points do training from our side get involved in the project? Is that does that tend to be straight away, early stages, or generally for me, I will have the project kick off, um, and then after that point, I introduce them to our training team. 
um, they will work together with the project liaison to go through the training aspect, mm-hmm. um, and then we just work closely throughout the throughout the project. Um, they'll schedule in, you know, sort of one or two hour sort of sessions with them to go through how the system works, how they how they set set up the system, which then helps out with things like um, processes uh, that they might want to change around. So, uh, which could then affect the data migration, for example. Um, it might lead into us doing changes on there. So we we always try and get them involved as early as possible, and then obviously with with our video material now that mm. kind of helps out, but. Um, those one or two hours slots that they have with training really do help out. So you talk about video material there, you're obviously referring to, um, currently we've got a, both a knowledge base yep. and uh, we're just implementing a learning management system mm-hmm. as well. Um, so I suppose all of those elements, as much as they come under training, obviously they're very important to the success of the project and the user adoption of the system. And I suppose that's where it's important for those the A team to include, you know, perhaps a training consultant their side or, um, you know, any sort of learning and development, you know, uh, manager or whatever, whatever it is on their side. Absolutely. Great. So previously you mentioned UAT or user acceptance testing. Whose responsibility is it for that user buy-in? Is that us? Is it the client? Is it the key stakeholders? We can push it as much as, as, as possible, but ultimately it's the the project layers on them and obviously there's a number of things as we mentioned from the uh from a training point of view uh from a user adoption point of view if they're using the dry run if they're gaining access to that early doors mm-hmm. uh at the beginning of the project i i assume that's that just makes it easier down the line for user acceptance rather than we're going live with this system here it is you've got to yeah, use that's this tomorrow and that's why you'll have potentially team leaders um, who will be that core structure mm-hmm. um, of A, checking the data, B, um, looking at functionality, and um, C, looking at the user acceptance testing. So that might be like department heads, for yeah. example. How, so actually, my head, head of PERM, deal with this. they're going to make sure all of their PERM consultants have got early access and, and, yeah, and view. And yeah. if it's temp, obviously, we want to make sure the temp access has got. So yeah, the, the earlier on they have access to, to that information, the, the better it is. So Rob, leading on from the the previous question, um, obviously with training and the and the project plan and everything now in place and, and, and going forward, obviously you're working towards what's referred to in the industry as a go live date. I suppose you know some people won't necessarily understand what a go live date is as much as you know it's it's common terminology for us. We've been in the industry a long time, but what can people expect from a go live date? What is that? What does that mean? What does it What does it look like in terms of switching from one system to another effectively you're just cutting off anything that you were using previously and that m- might be you know uh an old system or it might be that you're working from spreadsheets if you're a smaller company um or you know you're linking your crm into your website um that registers all the jobs that you're putting on any applicants that are being registered we're cutting all of that off you're basically stopping everything and you're moving on to um the implementation of ITRIS um, and all those milestones, all the, all the steps in the project that we've followed, that we've put that nice little tick next to, so that's been completed, signed off, um, and that's that. That is your go live date. Okay, great. And and that doesn't necessarily mean job done, does it? You know, we we no. find a lot sometimes on go live date. Um, we see perhaps sometimes you're on site. Um, we might have 
training consultants on site doing floor walking? It well? will depend on the client. Um, sometimes they like to have um, you know sort of training um, a couple of weeks after going live just to do that refresher training. Got you. Um, they'll have Q and A sessions once they start using the system a bit more. Um, obviously, we've got the support team there who will be introduced at the go live date for any technical issues. Um, but affected that project plan may well carry on because we might then have things such as um, third party integrations uh, that are working with their API that we've set to go uh, live, say, you know, another month after they've gone live with the actual Ultra system. Great. So that go live day doesn't necessarily mean that's everything. No, no. We might say that's that's what we're working towards and yep. then after we will tackle these other exactly. other parts exactly. of the project. Great. So it's not like you can just switch off once it, once go live day is gone. No, no, Pro absolutely not. Your project delivery guys can't just switch off and on. We never switch off. No. 24-7. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So, Rob, how stressful is a go-live day? Well, I've got one going on today, <laughs> if I'm honest. Sorry. So, you know, it's just like this. Um, no, it's, um, it's, it can be stressful, but with the right planning, the right project, it can also be very easy. And you've, you've had 20 years experience here at Itris and... Mm. The majority of that has been sort of on the ground, mm -hmm. project delivering, project managing. Obviously, you're a senior now in the business, so you've got a team of project delivery consultants below you. How how do you sort of manage their stress and how do they manage the customer's stress? Because all roads lead to you as their line manager, <laughs> they're stressed. How do you how do you manage? That? Well, effectively, we try and take all the stress out. Obviously, <laughs> by doing the projects, um, doing the dry runs, replicating everything beforehand, um, so that when we do hit that button for the go live, um, everything should already have been catered for. Go live is more of a case of helping out users, um, where you know they may not necessarily remember how to do something. Sure. That, It'd be, it'd be stressful for the user, you know, yeah. oh God, knowing I've used this system for 10, 15 years of my career and that's what I know and actually I know I'm going to have to come in Monday. Mm. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how many people pull sick days. Actually, maybe we should do a survey <laughs> with some of our bigger customers. How many people turn up on the day of go live? That'd be interesting. And, and I know often that's where um, our training consultants might be on site just to ease that stress for the for the customer as well. The PM team were always available to talk through any issues. We've got our support team there who actually do help out with um, sort of training queries as well. Mm. So they've got access as soon as they go live. In fact, they've got access to a much bigger team yeah. uh, of people, which, mm. um, you know, rather than say um, myself speaking to a project liaison um, mm. and then filtering it down, it becomes a lot, lot clearer, a lot easier. Yeah, because the project team this end will generally be a couple of project delivery consultants, a couple of training consultants, mm -hmm. uh, developer, if bespoke works required, yep. um, perhaps one of our API experts, if there's other stuff going on with another partner. As what you're saying is when once they've gone live, actually what we do to ease that stress is we open it, up, it, we, we, we open up yeah. to other, other, other departments who then have all that information. Who have got a lot of experience, I might add, as yeah. well. In, <laughs> I, I get asked support questions some of the times, and yes, I, do, I deal with support, but when you're working day in day out on it you know pretty much straight away yeah if there's an issue what what the what the answer is and, and you fix it straight away. It, it, yeah and i think we're pretty lucky uh, in terms of our experience uh, and the size of our the size of our business you know specifically compared to some of our competitors 
you know, what we've got here, I suppose that makes us stand out is people with experience. Yep. Yourself, 20 years, mm. you know, that's, that's a huge number. Myself, 11. Uh, but I know some of the support guys, you know, they've been supporting customers for 11, 12 years. Long time. Some of them. Long time. It is a long time. So I suppose that all helps ease the stress, knowing that the experts are there to... And we've all been through it before as well, yeah. you know, the, the, the support guys and, and even yourself, Paul. I know you've um, been involved with a few of these sort of go-live things as well, having that experience to, to settle down the climb. It's that whole, we'll, we'll do future episodes on change management because that's a whole different beast, but it is change management. Ultimately, yeah. it's it's managing that change to reduce stress and, and make that as easy as possible with you know, project management is obviously such a key part of that. And that's why we've done, we've done this episode. So Rob, last question. You'll be pleased. You'll be pleased <laughs> to know this one's been sent in by recruitment wizard 86. What's the worst thing that's happened to you in project stage? Um, and see that 20 years. <laughs> okay. There's a lot, a lot of things to, to sort of think about, but I, I imagine, you know, generally I've been, I've been very lucky. Um, However, I suppose the worst the worst issue is you're running through a project. It might have gone on six months, eight months. Some of these bigger bigger clients, they'll have contractors in that kind of thing. You're working on the project. Um, all of a sudden, something's happened at their end. Um, I come in on a Monday morning, and I get a phone call. Such and such, no longer with the business, and their team are gone. Um, oh, so the project liaison. Just yeah, just needs. gone, just gone. Just gone. We've got two weeks to go till, till the plan go live. Everything was going swimmingly up until that point. They might have bespoke work that we've done as well. Mm -hmm. um, so effectively, you're putting that project on hold. You've got to go in to the business. You've got to really kind of just help them get back to the stage that they were, um, identify someone who can then become that project liaison, mm -hmm. um, run through every single aspect of that, that uh, project, and I suppose that has a massive impact, doesn't it? Especially if users have got to the point where they're happy and they've got a date in mind that they're all working towards. Yeah. I suppose that just puts... Yeah, and you've got things like payroll integrations, which you're ready to flip over. Yeah, um, right. Websites ready to flip over. All of that has to be managed. Um, and generally, you have to get involved with all of that and then try and reset the date. And it's it, it that can be quite stressful. Generally, when when payroll and back office is involved as either key stakeholders or key parts of data, that is often from our experience. But you know, particularly in sales and account management and customer success, is that um, they're generally working to a specific date yep. that is based on the beginning or end of their financial year. Yep. So typically, we might see a lot of people aim for beginning of April yep. as their go live date, particularly if they're switching. And you'll run, uh, Jerry. What you would do is you'll 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 run uh, two payrolls side by side, yeah, um, and replicate them just to to see if there's any issues that that might arise, and and just to give the client that little bit of confidence. So that would involve be involved in the dry run processes, yeah, as well. exactly. Right. Yeah. So, but what you're saying is you're hoping at the beginning of March you don't get a phone call to say John, John Smith's no longer <laughs> with the business. Well, well John, John Smith's been been hit by a bus. Well, not only John Smith, but also uh, you know five of his crew that uh, are also they, they with him. Yeah. Right. So they're, they're all gone. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Which I hope that doesn't, <laughs> I hope it doesn't happen too often. No. I'm glad we've got experience in managing it. And again, I suppose it's important for us then to just step up a little bit, you know, for the customer's behalf and, and, you know, go in all guns blazing with a team of people to try and help them 
resolve, help them identify. And that's the, that's the key part of knowing every aspect of the, of the project and asking those questions straight up front. Mm. Effectively, you got a new person in, we start again. What's your critical business functionality? Mm. What is key to your business? And then just running through it again. So stress-wise for us, it's not too bad. Um, but for the client, it really yeah. can be. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Thanks for sharing that. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's been episode five of The Corner. Thank you to Rob Harvey for joining us today. I know you're a busy man. Thanks, Paul. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> we'll see you next time.